Alrighty, guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Adventure Radio. Today we have for you Richie Patterson. Richie is a man that I know pretty well because he was a guest coach on our first two Adventure Fit holidays. Um, At the time, he was a dual Olympian and a Commonwealth gold medalist. Now he's a three-time Olympian. He just went to Rio. Um, He's one of New Zealand's greatest ever Olympians, greatest ever sportsman, really. And he's one of the great minds of weightlifting. He's um, super knowledgeable. We spent a couple of days out with him in Auckland. And uh, yeah, he's just a great guy. So um, you guys are going to have an absolute ball listening to this one. He's a he's a character, Richie. And um, yeah, so I hope you enjoy it. This show is brought to you by Carve Guys. Carve are a company in the Philippines that you go to to get VA services. So if you want to outsource anything in your life, if you want to get rid of emails, if you want to get rid of your social media, if you want to... Um, get rid of your data collection, data processing, your uh, your newsletters, your um, anything that you don't like doing that you don't think creates a, a real dent in the big picture, then you can outsource that stuff. You can do it at a really cheap cost. So you can get full-time assistance, which I have three, um, or you can get, and I've set a lot of my friends up and, and, uh, and, and people that I know around the industry um, who are loving it. And you can also pay for time. So you can pay for 20 hours, you can pay for 30 hours, um, many different ways you can do it. So head to www.carve.ph forward slash ADVF and get 10 hours free. Check them out. Um, we are also brought to you by True Pride. True Pride, head to www.truepride.com.au forward slash ADVF. True Pride are a wealth creation service. Book a call through the website and you will get your joining fee of $397, uh, $297, sorry, waived um, if you book through our link. Just give them a call, see if they can help you out and uh, and go from there. Lastly, we were brought to you by AdventureFit Travel. Now, what I want to talk about and I've been harping on it a little bit lately is our custom trips. So, we have a rewards program that we offer to affiliate owners or large groups basically. So, if you're an affiliate owner out there and you feel like you can't get away on a holiday you feel like um, it's a little bit too tight getting away from the box money-wise or time-wise or you don't want to leave the community, so on and so forth, then email me, doc at adventurefittravel.com because we have something for you. We have a system where uh, affiliate owners can travel for free. All they need to do is uh, is get their community on board. So it's a great community building project. And um, yeah, you get to choose where you want to go. We've got a gym that's um, just chosen Koh Tao in Thailand. They want to train with Dimitri Clockoff. So so Dimitri's coming over. Um, we've they've picked and chose all their um, all their activities and so forth. Their timeline, time of year, time frame, absolutely everything. It's their custom trip, and uh, yeah, they're super pumped. So um, that's our last custom trip. We had a custom game trip last year, and uh, we're talking to gyms all over the world. So if that's something that you're interested in, hit me up. Otherwise, um, head to www.adventurefittravel.com for everything else that we're doing. And here's Richie. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. And that's it. Yo. Discovery Roger, go for deploy. Where did we come from?
never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die. Alrighty guys, here we are. We are back with Adventure Radio. Today we are talking to Richie Patterson, one of my um, favourite uh, favorite men I've ever heard talk about uh, uh, weightlifting. Before we before we throw to Richie, Tommy, can you seriously stop doing that? <laughs> before we throw to Richie, we're going to go to uh, Tommy's tribute as usual. Here we go, Tommy's tribute. Alrighty, Richie Patterson, welcome aboard my friend. This is going to be Let It Be by The Beatles. When I find myself in times of trouble Well, Patterson, he comforts me Speaking words of wisdom Tom, you are a horrendous weightlifter And in my hour of darkness Well, Richie stands right in front of me Well, Tom, you'll never be as fucking good as me he has been to the Com Games of Delhi. He won a silver at 85 kilos. Congratulations, Richie, that is beastly. Yeah! And now I find myself talking to you. I'm looking forward to picking your brain and your nose. Please speak words of wisdom, talk to me. Hello. Welcome Brilliant. aboard. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, Richie won a gold medal at the at the Com Games. So I thought it was the, a... the, the, the the. Oh yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got a, he so gave I... you a nice mention for your uh, silver, <laughs> for but I don't, silver, I'm not sure that he uh, was aware that you actually <laughs> got at the top of the podium there, Richie. Oh, Jason. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Richard. <laughs> Is there, I think yeah, they haven't done the updated uh, Google search. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's right. Why did, oh, I just looked it on Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> um, Richie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to finally get on. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about a um, little bit about yourself, Richie, and what you got into the sport of weightlifting? Okay. Um, so. I've been now part of weightlifting for 19 years, so it's a um, pretty extensive uh, time in, in, this, in the iron sport. Um, got into weightlifting, I was at uh, boarding school, I was a rugby cricket player on a scholarship there, and got enticed to try Olympic lifting to help my rugby performance, mm-hmm. um, and that ended up me breaking a number of New Zealand uh, junior age group records, uh, played first 15 rugby for a couple of years and realized that uh, really my future lay in weightlifting. Um, I was kind of inspired. I was still at school uh, when one of my mentors and one of my uh, following coaches competed at the Sydney Olympics, uh, Nigel Avery, and that kind of uh, spurred me on to chase the Olympic dream. And the rest is history, really. Um, it, it just all became a bit progressional and making different comps and, and improving on my results. So did you did you have a, a clear goal in mind from when you started, or was it something like like you said, like it's just very progressional, and you just found yourself continuing to enjoy the sport? No, there was there was a defining moment, which was that Sydney stage, and uh, mm. watching that was one I want to become an Olympian. So yep. then I went through a number of progressions as to what do I need to do to get there. Yep. And secondly, uh, I've been a big fan of of name so like past champions so in New Zealand we've got a, a pretty rich history 
Um, you might not know the names in Australia, but your Don Olivers, your Precious McKenzie's, he came over from, uh, obviously he went from South Africa to the UK and then to New Zealand, um, very successful man in the sport. Uh, Tony Ebert, you jump. So New Zealand's got a, a lot of rich history, and it's. I always thought, what do I need to do to to put my name in next to those names? And and that was to become a Commonwealth champion. So two targets of the Commonwealth top of the podium, and, and then the Olympian status as well. Mm-hmm. And when did um when did you start taking it really seriously, Richie? Was it when you were um, obviously you were breaking records at a young age? When did you first kind of Grace an international platform, and when did you when did you when did it become your um your life rather than something that you were just good at? Um, again, it all happened probably on the week of watching the Sydney Olympics. Um, so, I, I at school I was making every excuse to get to the weight room. So uh, I'd, I'd I'd what what was called sign out early in the morning. Um, I'd be down at the school by about six thirty or seven in the weights room. And then at lunchtime, I'd be doing more weights. I'd be doing squats at lunch. I got given the key to the gym. So sixth and seventh form for me when I was at school, my last final years was all about weightlifting. Then I went on to study a coaching degree. So I planned it all around uh, my athletic career. I extended my coaching degree out. And I, uh, as soon as I left school, I was double-day training or continued that under, um, at the time, Richard Dryden, who was coaching Nigel Avery and the senior athletes. Mm. Um, so I, I took it pretty seriously from about 17. Yeah, right. Okay. So so um, I remember we spoke in New Zealand and you said that um, that your progression, and I, forgive me if I'm telling your story incorrectly, but you you um, you went through a stage where you tried to um, tried to become tried to get to the top of your game without the right kind of um, I think you used the analogy of the basement wasn't really built so your strength base and now nowadays I know for a fact that you're you're one of the um, one of the strongest guys in the Commonwealth is not the strongest like what did your um, what did your early training look like and uh, and when did you realize that um, that you needed a, a really powerful base to, to get good in this sport? Well, my early stages, we had um, my first year, actually, we didn't have a coach. Um, it was a bunch of seven formers. There was a demonstration on stage. And my first experience of weightlifting was walking into a weights room and a bunch of 18-year-old boys cheering on a 15-year-old to put on as much weight as possible and see if he can get it above his head. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not the best start. And then that year was really just basically the, what I call the program. You just go in and do what you feel like and, and not much to – Coaching. Yep. Um, Max out every second day. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's like, what's on the program? 80%. Oh, text, test your one rep, Max. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. ah, close enough We've to We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I didn't understand too much about programming. I didn't understand anything about technique at that point except get the bar above your head in the two different methods. Mm-hmm. Um, then when I left school, uh, went under um, Dryden and what was predominantly the German macrocycle um, sort of mythology, periodization, because uh, New Zealand weightlifting was heavily influenced by uh, two German coaches, uh, Walter Schultz and Gunther Renner in the 90s, and basically that's pretty much the knowledge base that went through New Zealand weightlifting coaches. So uh, from basically leaving school through to 2006, my first Commonwealth Games, um, that's the methods that we used and, and, mm. the, and the 
the technical methods that we used were ones inherited by the German system. Mm-hmm. And what did um, so what did the for people that don't know the German system? Obviously, one of the famous systems is the Bulgarian system where they yep. max out all the time. What's the what's the general training principle behind the German uh, the German system of weightlifting? Well, really, like it's just a long. It, most sports systems are based off the German periodization model. Um, mm-hmm. Your early stages are preparatory stages, then you go to a max strength stage, you work into max power, and then you go into classical competition peaking. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of working off 12-week cycles um, where you wouldn't be doing, for example, the Bulgarian method or what they call the said principles, adaptation principle, is you're adapting to the movement. So you treat weightlifting as a skill, yep. and the movement is a skill. So you practice the skill every day, mm-hmm. whereas... The, the German is you're looking at developing a strength base, so you're doing a lot of squatting and a lot of pulling and very little classical movements in the early stages. Mm-hmm. Then, then you max out your strength sort of stuff, and then you transfer that strength into power through the movements, and then you uh, specialize in your final few weeks to drill the movements down. So you re- very rarely got to attempt big Olympic lifts mm-hmm. uh, in the early stages. It was just a lot of strength base. So that's when you're saying – that's when I really started to build uh, a big foundation. So, and how did you? Um, so, with this German style of training, how did uh, how did that transfer over into your uh, into your performances in Delhi, your first uh, your first comp games? Well, after so 2006, I placed fourth at the Melbourne Commonwealth Games. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I missed my last lift for what would have been a silver medal. All right, um, and then New Zealand. Um, so Richard stepped away from coaching me at that point, and I went under Nigel. And New Zealand weightlifting uh, received a bit of funding, so we applied, uh, sent out job application around the world, um, an interest, expression of interest for a New Zealand head coach position. And we eventually appointed Ari Moylanen, who was a Finnish coach, who had an extensive knowledge of of the said principle of Bulgarian system, as we all like to call it. Mm-hmm. And that was completely left field from what we'd seen, but. Um, we employed Ari based on the Scandinavian anti-doping model because a lot of their lifters were subject to the same rigorous sort of testing that we were. Mm-hmm. So the methods of training would have to be that of an athlete that is doing it uh, by the books. Yes. Um, which was important for me as well. And so then Ari came in and introduced us to this new method of training and, and it was very left field. So um, – my, that I was training under Ari right through to Delhi, so three years during the initial stages of that Bulgarian method. Right. And yeah, totally different, like totally different. And how would you um, – so what would you say – what would you say you responded better to or was it like it was kind of horses for courses that the German method was better in your early days and then it was okay to do the Bulgarian method or, or how do you differentiate the two? Like what's what do you think um Worked better for you or better for the masses? or? I think, as you said, horses for courses. So I was lucky enough to get the, the stages right. So I was introduced to this method which produces a – like I, when, when you came over, I kept talking about building a house. Mm. You don't build a house, you build a foundation first. If you get the foundation right, your house is going to last longer. Um, a lot of people come in and they build this house without laying the foundation. Work. And the house looks great for a little while until you have uh, a bit of a storm or something goes wrong and it all falls down. Yeah. So 
laying the foundation with that early mythology was great because then when I transitioned into aggressive training like the Bulgarian method, um, tendons, ligaments, awareness, structure, skeletal structure, all of that was really prepped mm-hmm. to be able to handle a heavier intensity. Mm-hmm. So that was right. But then at the same time, I'm a competitive person. So the the method of max appealed to me because it allowed me to test myself daily and weekly and, and, and more often. So you got this sense of reward uh, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So, what would the um, what would the contrast to the German method? So, obviously, uh, the Bulgarian method, like you said, you get to you get to test uh, quite often. Now, the German method was that um, only testing in a lead up to a comp, or would you um, would you test bi monthly, or how, how would it kind of look at generally in in way of like maxing out and uh, and really pushing yourself? You'd push yourself, but you'd be in your early stages. You're pushing your tens and your volume squats. Mm-hmm. Then you're pushing your max squats mid cycle. So you're looking at six to four weeks. Then you're testing your max power cleans towards the end, and then all that sort of stuff. And then really, you're only maxing out your Olympic lifts towards the last few weeks. Yeah. So it, it came down to a hit and miss. Some days you have a magic comp and you do a PB by ten kilos on the platform on your total or something. But other days you just have a complete bomb because you didn't quite get the peak right or something like that. Mm-hmm. I found with my training under the Bulgarian method, I was pretty close to hitting consistent numbers every comp. So that could be week after week, month after month. I was always nailing consistent numbers. Um, th- yeah, it's, mm. it's 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 a little it's hard to uh, explain it exactly but no no I'm, I'm with you did, did it make it easier for you to go out and like set your openers and, and know what your um, lift number two lift number three would be when you had been on the Bulgarian method where it was like regularly like okay I know that three out of four days I'm going to be able to hit this and and, um, and I've got this every single day whereas it was so few and far between with the German method that it was maybe a little bit harder Is, did, was it, did it kind of work like that or yeah, exactly as you said. You build so much confidence. Um, like under the Bulgarian, I was snatching 150 every week. Mm-hmm. So I'd snatch 150, snatch 150. I'd open in a comp. I've done this hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. 150, 150. It becomes a nothing number. Yeah. Did this 11 times last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you, you develop this ultimate confidence. And if you've ever watched any of the old Eye and Mind ones, the Bulgarians, very, uh, they often won with their first or second lift. Yeah, right. right. Interesting. Yeah. So, okay. As, aren't um, traditional Bulgarian, I'm just thinking purely of the, the small off squat program. Isn't that like purely based on for people to be doing gear when you're doing that sort of <laughs> stuff? Like, aren't, I've just heard amazing things about Bulgarian methods and Eastern European methods and stuff where it's just like they're not programmed for someone who, you know, is, is el natural. Like, <laughs> how are you keeping up with the, with the volume of training? That's, that's a good point. So, um, I originally went on Ari. Ari did push me pretty aggressively into it. So I was doing three heavy weeks, one light week, and I made some initial gains on that. Um, One because I was lifting more often, so my rhythm and my position and my technique improved dramatically because of the amount of lifting and full classical lifting that I was doing. Mm. And then again, testing and pushing yourself through that method. But then. I plateaued at that 150, 150 snatch, kind of looking at mid-80s, 90 clean and jerk, 190, and um, I struggled to get past that point. 
Mm. Um, from that, when I moved on from Ari after 2010, I, I continued the same sort of method, but I brought the training back to two heavy weeks, one light week. So that additional third week, I simply couldn't recover from, and that's yeah. where I was plateauing. So I adjusted the weeks to be a three-week cycle, um, two heavy, one light. And then during the week, it's um, it's a bit weird, but I had this one encounter. I had a Chinese coach in New Zealand. Um, I tell, I, I don't know if you've told him this before, this one, Bill, but there was this Chinese coach, and I was training by myself, and this daughter came in, and she asked if her dad could come and watch some weightlifting training. And I said, yeah, that's fine. And she said, oh, my dad doesn't speak English. And I said, oh, that's fine. Um, he can sit in the corner and I can train. And then she went away and she came back a couple of hours later and she said, oh, my dad wants to show you some videos. And this Chinese coach whips open his computer and he's the coach of the current 50, uh, 56 <laughs> Olympic champion and the oh, yeah. world record holder from China. I'm like, oh, crap, I've got the Chinese national. <laughs> so he's yeah. just your average bloke. <laughs> But I, I, I talked about him. I talked to him through his daughter about the methods that I was using, uh, the Bulgarian methods, and one that I wasn't doping, and, and he was quite impressed by that in itself. <laughs> yeah. And um, he said the method of what you're doing, you need to have a better body awareness. You need to understand when you're fatigued or when you're being lazy, yep. and you can't keep to a structured program because. On a Monday, you might feel great, but it says go to – let's say you're supposed to go to 90% on Monday, yep. but you don't feel great. So he said make it movement-orientated. So go to where you're consistently moving well, but if you don't feel flash, just make it about movement. Yeah. Tuesday, you're only supposed to go to 80%, but if you feel magic, go with it. Yes. So my training mythology became more about feeling. So I had this general overriding structure to my week and my week's but then it was very adaptable on every day. And um, then from I practiced that for about six weeks from that, and my snatch went to in training 160. So mm. I was plateaued on 150 for about two years, and within the manner of six weeks of training this sort of method, wow. um, my snatch went up to 160, and I clean, I clean and jerked 200 in comp, but I dropped it behind me. My shoulders rolled, and I dropped it. So I added about 10 kilos on both lifts within the period of six weeks from wow. learning – learning about my sort of recovery methods. Mm. And what were some of those methods specifically? Just just uh, recognizing each day, uh, recognizing yep. fatigue, recognizing movement. So mm. I just made sure that I drilled movement perfects. You, you watch any of these lifters that aren't uh, on the gear doing Bulgarian methods, often their lifts look horrible. They're just chasing numbers. They're diving at weights. They're mm. missing. And... I made it about consistency, so I wasn't allowed to miss in training anymore. Mm. And if I missed, I made the weights lighter and I drilled the consistency with my technique. And that consistency uh, carried over into successful lifts at higher weights. See, that's something that I've always been fascinated with is that that, that transfer of consistent, consistently moving sort of year 80, 85% and then being able to hit new PBs. I just feel that like wouldn't there reach a certain point where – you go for those new PBs and irrespective of how consistent you are with moving sub-max weight, it's just too heavy for you. Like, do you think it's good to to have that feeling of, of heavy weight um, under the bar, moreover, just being able to consistently move 80, 85%? Yeah, it's, a, it's really important to attack heavy weights, but you've got to do it on days when it's going right. Yeah. Uh, 
sometimes we say, look, let's go max riding. Some people turn up and they look flat from the moment they walk in and it's not going to happen yet. You force them to chase it. That's not going to work. Whereas that you pick, you pick your days when someone's on, he's on, it's on and I let them go and and I just monitor it. Like as a coach, I'm monitoring it. I'm like, Okay, and they, you know when an athlete's on, because they'll, they'll lift it. It's supposed to say stop there, but they'll just look over at you in the corner of the eye. There's kind of this, they don't say anything, but there's this begging look. There. <laughs> yeah. And that's when you say, okay, and you take control of it, and that's that's when the weights come and you get some good progress. Yeah, and I guess like the uh, the frequency of on days is linearly proportionate to the amount of drugs they're taking, so <laughs> it's probably uh, a... <laughs> Good. Yeah, the, the, I've been have, on for ten years. <laughs> that 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 whole method was developed around that. Yeah. So you, it can be used. What's called the Bulgarian method or the set principle, but it has to be heavily scaled yeah. and probably directed by someone that really, really knows their athlete. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm. that that was a thing with Junior Smolov, wasn't it? Or was that just a an idea, a gateway to to Smolov <laughs> for the squatting program? Well, Smolov's more of a. Uh, it's not really a Bulgarian concept at all. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was like, Junior Smolov, oh, yeah, sweet. Yeah, no, yeah, I think I was just throwing it out there. <laughs> Smolov is more of a Russian. Um, oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I'm with you. Yep, yeah, yep, so, cool. And that, everyone did Smolov because it sounded cool. Everyone wanted <laughs> yeah. to do Crossfitters went, oh, I want to do Smolov because my mate's doing Smolov. Because my mate's called Smolov. <laughs> you, guys all th- you all thrashed yourself and then you did your wads with your war walls and then you all had knee issues after. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Um, Richie, so um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about um, you told us a little bit about, about your training. What about your um, your time actually representing uh, representing New Zealand on the platform? So you went to Delhi and you uh, and you played second. Did, was that before your first um, your first Olympics? Did you go to the Olympics? Was it after Delhi? No. So I went my first inter- major international. I went to Doha World Champs mm-hmm. um, 2005. Uh, I bombed. Mm-hmm. Which wasn't a very nice experience flying yeah. halfway around the world to bomb. Yeah, 100%. Then I was uh, Melbourne Commonwealth Games, and then I was my first Olympics was Beijing 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an amazing experience um, in terms of Beijing. Um, put it on like it's very hard to find Olympics that will be put on like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so the the Olympic experience was amazing. The weightlifting experiment uh, experience was horrible. Um, yeah. I only got two lifts. I freaked out. It was um, a massive stage for me and, and standing in front of the Olympic rings. I just didn't have that experience yet probably to, to be comfortable on that stage. Yep. Um, so that then from there, um, my pinnacle event was supposed to be Delhi. I was supposed to win the gold medal there. Um, I was unfortunately beaten by the Australian lifter, Simplice. Uh, oh, yes. Still- Yes, of course. So Simplice, uh, I got my second lift, and Simplice needed his third lift to beat me. Mm. He got his third lift, and then um, I had to get my last, and I missed the jerk. So, oh, killer. Yeah, it's it one of the hardest things as a Kiwi is standing on the silver podium <laughs> to an Aussie. <laughs> yeah, 100%, especially after just missing the jerk on your last on your last attempt. So how do you um, how do you get your head around that uh that kind of a an ordeal, like um, getting so close to the gold medal. Did you have to have a bit of time to kind of relax and reflect when you got home, or were you just driven straight away? Fuck this! I'm going to get straight back into training. I'm, I mean, obviously that's pretty crazy if that was the case. But how did you respond to 
getting so close to your dream and then just not getting there? It was, it was pretty hard. Like uh, when you've been dreaming for the last God knows how many years, um, 10 years of winning this gold medal and you end up in silver, then you don't know if you're going to get another chance or not. Mm. Um, so I was pretty hard on myself. Uh, had a little what they call POD, a bit of post-Olympic depression. Even though it wasn't Olympic, it was yeah. um, post-pinnacle event, you'd say. So I hadn't really thought too much of my athletic career from that point. So all of a sudden, you go out and have a few parties and a few, few too much of the good food and all that. So uh, there's a little round of that. But I, I got into um, at that point making a, a good decision that. I want to be a weightlifting coach now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stepped away from my coach, Ari. Um, I was Prior to 2010, I was flying up to Finland and spending about five months a year up in Finland over summer. So I was full-time weightlifting. I was really lucky. Um, mm-hmm. I had sponsors in New Zealand, and Ari bought an apartment for me to live in Finland. Wow. So I had a lot of investment into me um, to be a full-time weightlifter. And then basically – parted ways with Ari on good terms, like lovely guy. He's put so much energy into me. Yep. Um, and I started Functional Strength, which is, is my business now, and um, started to build a stable of athletes. And and that is what pretty much continued my athletic career. I, I found a new passion in, in helping uh, my athletes to the international platform mm-hmm. and then um, found an avenue where I can join them. Alrighty, guys. Just a quick break in between our conversation with Richie to quickly touch on Carve again. Carve, guys, are a VA service. That's where I get Mon, Aaron, and Alvin. Alvin will be listening to this as we speak as he edits the back end of our podcast. So what Alvin does, he does all the social media, social media on our podcast. Um, he edits the podcast. He does all the website work on our podcast, our show notes. Aaron deals with incoming leads. Aaron deals with our competition sponsorships all over the world. Um, Mon deals with... Mon runs the whole team, does absolutely everything. Basically, guys, I've outsourced everything in my business so that I don't do really any of the stuff that you need to do day-to-day to keep your business running. I oversee it. I don't have to do any of it. I still work... Uh, crazy hours but I get to work on bigger projects um, that'll grow the brand grow AdventureFit and uh, get us to where we want to be so I've been able to do that by outsourcing with Carve and it's changed my life it's got more time back in my life I get these guys for 120 hours per week and it costs me very little comparatively to where it, what it would cost me if I were not using a team in the Philippines the guys get looked after well um, so it's all good head to www.carve.ph forward slash ADVF and get 10 hours free also we're brought to you by True Pride True Pride are a wealth creation service guys offering all ranges of wealth creation and ways to uh, to get ahead in your life if you don't know what you want to do with uh, with budgeting or what you want to do with with um, I- investing in some assets if you already have assets and you want to diversify Carve, uh, not Carve, True Pride are the team for you. Head to www.truepride.com.au forward slash ADVF. Click the link in the, on the uh, website and book a call. Have a chat, see if, they, uh, see if they can help you guys out. If they can and you want to go ahead, you get a $297 joining fee absolutely waived because you are a loyal listener. And uh, here's back to the show. So what happened when you started Functional Strength? Do you think... Did, did the fact that you had um, a bunch of athletes now under your wing, I suppose, did that 
at the time, were you thinking, all right, this is going to take away from my training and, and hopefully I'll still be able to reach, you know, reach the Com Games and the Olympics? Or, or, or were you just like, all right, I'm going to put all my eggs into my athletes and my training comes second and I'll just play it by ear and see see mm. where I end up. Where, what was, where was your head at when you were like making the decision to go from full-time athlete to, well, athlete but more of a or, or starting your coaching life? Um, well, I was winging it for a little bit at yep. the start. Um, I was really lucky, actually. When my first athlete that I picked up, um, he walked through the door. He's, he was with his dad, trialing different sports. He was an ex-gymnast and seen his coach hurt himself, so he had a bit of a mental block. And then he walked in. He was 12 years old, gymnast, great body awareness, and that was Cameron McTaggart. So oh. I've been coaching him now. He's 19, so seven years. He's broken all my records now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All my junior youth and whatever else. <laughs> well, that's not good. You should roll him up in a cup and throw him off a bridge. <laughs> but to get um, really a super talent walking on day one when you make mm. that decision that you want to coach is mm. um, it's pretty special. And that's that, awesome. and that so one I was working with him, and then the next athlete that I picked up, I was actually in, that was 2010 was when I was introduced to CrossFit as well. Mm-hmm. So I was asked to go and run a, a course, uh, just a one day couple of hour um, seminar or talk about weightlifting to a group of crossers and I was like, what the hell's CrossFit? Yep. And I walked Good in and there's, uh, there's about 40 athletes, 40 a- adults wanting to learn Olympic lifting and I was like, what the hell are these people wanting to do this <laughs> yeah. And uh, I found found this group of people that were super passionate about wanting to learn um, and there was one young lady in that and she was doing quite well. She was moving really well and again, found out she was an ex-gymnast and I was invited back to watch a CrossFit comp the week later at the same premises. And um, then she approached me to help her with some weightlifting coaching for CrossFit. And it was literally that day that I went, I could get this girl to the Commonwealth Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I set about trying to convince her to stop CrossFit and um, just do Olympic lifting. And I managed to do that eventually. She went to regionals. And that was um, Pip, who's now my wife. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> it's, been, it's been successful, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you make Cameron McTaggart your wife? <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you teach uh, Cam how to do the backflip? No, no, I, I'm, I've got no backflip, no back, backflip nah. skills at all. So. You got a gymnastics. <laughs> yeah. I said Cam, Cam's only ever allowed to do the backflip if he gets three out of three in a New Zealand record. Uh, so yeah. it's a it's a sort of a tradition of his. Cam, um, Cam, Cam. When we went over to um, visit Richie on the first adventure trip, yeah. um, Richie was like, "We did it." Richie did a bit of a presentation, and then there was a section where Richie was going to train. He was going to walk us through his training, and he also had Cam and the other guy that went to the Com Games. The other young guy that you had, um, Richie. What was his name? Cody. Cody. That's right. And Cody went to the Com Games as well. So we're watching, mm. and Pip. So watching for um, Com Com Games <laughs> athletes train in Richie's gym, and um, and Cam walked in in his school blazer. And uh, and ready ready to train gets the bar out and he was like weighing I don't know maybe he'd just come from sixty nines or something I think at yeah, that time, yeah. at that stage Richie might have been like mid mid seventy kilos seventy two I think and he jerked yeah. I think it was school too like yeah, sixteen yeah. seventeen and he jerked I believe one hundred and fifty two kilos off the racks something like that I think <laughs> he was he, you were telling me Richie his squat at the time was one forty or something he jerked one fifty two. He's a freak. Yeah, he, can do, well, he can still do that. He jerked 183 the other day. Yeah. And he can't front squat that at all. So <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. But, oh, um, yeah. God. Yeah, cool. So, so, and then 
All right, we're, I'm kind of, I suppose, running this interview like a like a timeline, yeah, really. So, sure. so once you um, so you were coaching Pip, you wanted to get Pip to the Com Games. You were coaching Cam. You saw potentially in him, and then at this point, you're still heavily in training, and and was your goal to to get back on the podium at, at the Com Games? Yeah. So uh, I went. Oh, well, I can get Pip to the Com Games. I'm going to join on. I'm yeah. going to jump back on the bandwagon and, mm. and get to Glasgow and and win a gold. And um, so that took me through to my second Olympics, um, London, which was pretty special, um, amazing. I actually performed a lot better, um, was quite comfortable, and um, you guys are probably figuring out, but there's still bands coming through. So my, every week now my placing's going up. It's quite nice. Um, <laughs> so I ended up – I'm currently 12th at uh, London, mm-hmm. um, and then that led me through to Glasgow, uh, which was my again this pinnacle moment where I was going to win a gold. I, I basically said I'm just going to open on it. That's that's pretty much it. So I, I snatched. I ended up um, drawn with the Canadian in the snatch mm. um, and one kilo ahead of the Indian. And then um, I I put a huge opener down on my on on the start board. I never intended to open that heavy, mm-hmm. but I was just playing a bit of a psychological game with them. So they, I knew what they were both capable of and it wasn't anywhere close to what I put down for my opener. Yep. And then they went out one for one and kind of ran out of lifts and then I just dropped my opener right down on top of the Indians' last clean and jerk and I missed my first jerk and then I missed my second jerk. <laughs> and, uh, I guess I finally nailed that final jerk that I missed all those previous years to win the gold. So it was uh, – kind of a good ending that's awesome so so what about say take us through tell us what's going through your mind um this will tie in with like mental preparation for a big lift for anyone listening that might be a crossfitter or a weightlifter or a powerlifter you know getting yourself in a good mind frame because what must have been running through your mind when you had one lift to win the commonwealth games and you knew that you could get it like mm, what mm. backstage after you've missed your first two how do you calm your nerves what's going through awesome. your head uh, it was pretty unique. Like, I, there was no point that I thought I was going to miss it. Mm. Um, I was out the back. I just reconfirmed. The word I said was execute. Mm-hmm. Just do like the, the the way I was training. I was hitting that number every day. Like, I yep. could hit. I could have hit that number that morning. No problem. It was just doing it at the right time in the right moment. So mm-hmm. I went back, sat down, took a couple of breaths, just said execute, and um, went out. And I stand behind the platform. I don't change anything. That's that's probably the worst thing that you could do is, is all of a sudden feel like you need to do something different. Mm, yep. um, you really don't. So I, I just ran through my same um, cues. I stepped on the on the platform. I run through a couple of um, technical cues or rhythm cues, step up to the bar and just execute. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, so I didn't do anything special and I, I felt like I was never going to miss it anyway. So Yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, um, for sure. So... All right. So and then, um, so at this stage, you've you've got. I remember you telling me um, when we we're over visiting that out of I don't know. Say say there's a hundred weightlifting records in New Zealand, um, senior and junior. Your gym holds forty, fifty percent of them, or something crazy, right? Yeah, I think uh, at one stage we held 50% of all the New Zealand youth, junior and senior records. So we must be pretty close to that. There's been a couple of other gyms pick up um, now, which is great. Um, yep. And the junior, some of the junior records. Uh, oh, but Cam's taken a few more of my junior records back again. <laughs> yep. That bastard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
but we're doing pretty well. We've got a really good stable here, and they all work together, and they all got the international uh, podium in, in the back of their heads that they're shooting for. So collectively, it's really weird weightlifting. Such a, it's an individual sport, but it's it's very much an environment, a training environment oh, yeah. that we'll get. Yeah. So how do you like? What do you do as obviously the leader of this environment? What are the things that you do to try and well give your athletes mm. that slight benefit? in way of having strong training partners and just uh, a really supportive atmosphere? Like, how do you get the best out of your athletes to, to make them as good as they are, basically? Can't be luck. Um, it's, it's, I guess it's me learning about the individual traits. Um, I know some people respond to positivity. Some people respond to a bit of discipline. Some people respond to $20 notes being thrown in front of them when they're going <laughs> left. When they're dancing it's on all- a pole. <laughs> It's all different. So um, I very much coach each individual as an individual and, and, and squeeze the best out of them that way. Um, as a group, I'm all about positivity. Um, people need to walk into the gym with the right attitude. If they don't, I, I pretty much I send them back out and tell them to come back in again. <laughs> um, and collectively, we're pushing each other. So it's just learning the things, little methods over the years that um, – that helped me as an athlete and also what I didn't respond to an athlete. I trial them on people. I see if it works. If it doesn't work, I throw that one in the bin and try a different method. It's always evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, so really I've got the the opportunity of coaching in retrospect. I'm, I'm giving them what I wish I'd had. Yes, absolutely. So what about the um – what about the old? Uh, you hit this clean and jerk. I'll shout you. Uh, I'll shout you burgers. You. Uh, you That's out, an MDMA. You out, out squat me. <laughs> you buy me lunch. Wasn't that one of your big, um, your big kind of banter slash training principles? Yeah, we got we got we got some pretty big bets. I, I love to bet hard. Like if some <laughs> someone comes at me where they go, "Can I have a go at?" Say it's a PB. Say it's 150 kilos. Can I have a go at 150? I said, "No, you're not allowed to have a go at 150. You're either going to do 150 or not." Okay, can I do 150? I'm like, well, what are you willing to put on it? Yeah. And they, they come at me with some p- pathetic bet. <laughs> so I come back at them with a bigger bet. And, and then they, as soon as they hesitate, I said, well, you're not allowed to attempt it. And they said, why? I said, because you hesitated. <laughs> and I said, why do you hesitate? You said you're going to get it. There's no need to hesitate. It's nice. You, like, do you don't even not. need to think about what I want to win if you miss because you're not going to miss. So I need to see 100% commitment. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't matter what I bet on it. It should be. Already there. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're betting your unborn son. <laughs> so, um, well, I'm a little yeah, nervous about this now. <laughs> we have these aggressive betting. But one day, Cody, Cody, when I was training uh, in the evening, I was having a horrible day, and he said, I bet you my car oh. that you can't do a 345 total. Fuck and my hell. best total was 333. <laughs> so that was a 12 kilo. And I hit a 150. No, I had a 150 snatch and clean jerk 195 at that training. <laughs> So and I took it, uh, I took his car for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's classic. That's great. I, I sold it back to him for McDonald's. <laughs> uh, beautiful. So, Shit, uh, I really want to. I want to. I want to go to this gym now. It's and great. Just bet my pants. So it's a. It's an awesome gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, you've got um, you've got uh, you do have a CrossFit studio right on this on the back end of the um, of functional strength. Yeah. 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 I think um, I think I remember seeing Richie at the CrossFit regionals. 
um, three, the or gamble four, safely. three or four, three or four years ago at the regionals oh, really? in the overhead squad event. Um, all the, the most of the regionals was a three RM overhead squad event, and he was there. And Richie was competing. He was competing, yeah. yeah. And uh, and most people were like, oh, at this stage, most people were like, you know, overhead squatting like seventy kilograms, yeah, yeah. eighty kilograms. Richie was overhead squatting like two hundred fifty <laughs> kilograms. <laughs> yeah. what, what? But he couldn't do one rep of a wall ball. <laughs> How did you? Um, were you doing any CrossFit at that stage when you went to the regionals, or were you just like the strength guy? I did the open. I, I do the open every year. It's just a bit of fun, but I don't do too much training. I, in fact, I didn't do any training for it. <laughs> but, uh, well, we were we had a team. We qualified, and and um, because regionals is quite heavy, um, we put me as a reserve because we really didn't have anyone capable of lifting kind of the weights that regionals produces. Mm, yep. So we said, look, if we got an injury, then at least I can come in. I'll be able to move the weights yeah. without stuck on the first snatch or something like that. Um, and then one of our guys unfortunately pulled out literally the week of, and I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> um, there he is. The, the wads weren't too hard. It was like burpee to muscle up, and then you only had to do one and then tag your mate, and then um, it was a three-rep overhead squat. Yeah, and everyone was cleaning it and re-racking it and jerking it, and so I just snatched it. <laughs> <laughs> how good is that? I bicep killed it and put it up. That's great. Um, See, again, that just shows how much strength is king in CrossFit. Uh, I believe that uh, it's changed a little bit to this a lot of more high-level gymnastics stuff. But, oh, yeah. But uh, we're talking to Richie about no, no, weight. No, 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 no. Fuck CrossFit. But, um, so, uh, so, Richie, why don't you tell us about... Um, so, now you've, uh, you've gone to the next Olympics and the recent Com Games. Am I doing the... T- is the time line correct if, if I say that? I think... Yeah, if we move past the Glasgow, so I've, I've just this year t- attended my third Olympic Games, mm-hmm. uh, Rio, which was it was different again. Each Olympic Games is, is, is unique in its own manner. Yep. Uh, um, I didn't have the best. I had a little bit of a shoulder issue, so I ended up not lifting uh, really what I believed I was capable of. Still a respectable total, fifteenth. And then now my next target is to go through to uh, the Gold Coast, which will be my swan song, which will be my final. Mm. So that would be your fourth or fifth Commonwealth Games? It would be my fourth Commonwealth Games. Yes, right. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So um, so I'll ask you this. So you finished um, you finished uh, 12th and 15th in the last couple of Olympic campaigns, but you're clearly, or you, you know, you're a gold medalist um, sorry, at your Olympic Games, you finished 12th or 15th, you, but you're a Commonwealth um, gold medalist. What what differentiates Europe and Asia from, obviously, Pacific and, uh, and America? Why are we so behind in the sport of weightlifting um, on the global sense? Uh, there's really only, I believe, one answer, which is um, the methods that they're using. But that's the big difference. That is the only – I believe if everyone was on a playing field, uh, even playing field, uh, you'd look at probably the leaders at the moment potentially would be the states, um, the numbers that they're producing from their young athletes, mm-hmm. and then you'd have the Pacific and Australia New Zealand as world leaders. I, I truly believe that the numbers that we're hitting clean would be world-leading numbers if you had an even playing field. Wow. Isn't that uh, isn't that sad? What do you, what do you think about the yeah. the, the actual the, like the state of the sport of weightlifting? Because 
Um, obviously, you know much more about it than me, but obviously in the 80s or early 90s, whenever it was, they changed the weight categories because of the rampant drug use. And then now, from the retests in the last couple of Olympic Games, we've had, whatever, 50 podium finishes, 50 medalists. It's not 50, but... We've had, 20, 20, yeah. Yeah. We've had 20 medalists that have, that have been stripped, you know. Ilya, yeah, that's right. Ilya has, has, um, is going to retire. and Like, what's going on with the sport? Is there any way to – I'll ask you, is, is there any way to clean it up or do you think it, that the future lies in a, in a powerlifting system where there's drug-free and drug um, – sorry, there's drug-tested and non-drug-tested? Like, what, what do you think is the answer? Oh, it's a hard question. Mm. Um, the answer really is probably zero tolerance. Um, they're looking at introducing the Osaka rule again, if you're um, familiar with that, which is if you've had received any ban over six months, you're not eligible to compete at the Olympic Games. Yep. So that, that would make a lot of athletes with Olympic aspirations all of a sudden think, well, what's the risk here? It's this, uh, the risk versus reward. Um yeah, I've always been one for zero tolerance. If you if you get caught, you're gone. That's it. You're done. Mm-hmm. So that one initially would rein everybody back in straight away, mm. um, and then yeah, that would start to clean up pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, what about the fact with the zero tolerance? I mean, how do you get around the 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 tightness of like you know sometimes obviously there's a supplement that wasn't supposed to have this substance in it, and so on and so forth. I suppose you can leave that up to... I swear that's mostly just... If you just create such a high, strict policy on it, people won't make be making those mistakes again. Because I really feel yeah, like yeah. a lot of those people are just kind of using that as an excuse to mm. hide the fact they were actually trying to get some form of performance enhancer. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you'll always... Yeah. If you make it zero tolerance, I, I would be going to companies that were supplementing with... Um, the companies would then probably put stringent tests in place. Yeah, that's right. Well, there's a company, there's a couple of companies that said, look, if you get caught, you can take us to court for a million bucks. Yeah. Shit. Like, they're, they're that confident that their product is, is clean and, and, and well tested. Yeah. Then it would just take the onus on the athlete to to search out and and, and be extra vigorous of um, what they're putting into their bodies. And really, the onus is on the athlete all the time anyway. Like, it should be. It really should be. It's no one else's fault if you get caught with like, oh, these poppy seeds made me test positive for fucking opiates. Mm. You know, it's just like, well, you know, you, you ate them. Yeah. Mm. Stay away from the orange and poppy seed muffins, the, you idiot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I have too many of those. Asking for trouble. Yeah. Probably get through a fair few of um, Yeah. All right. Cool. So, so, um, so what's next for you then, Richie? Like what, um, have you got any big goals with your, with your gym, with, um, with your training yourself? Obviously the Com games is, um, is big on your horizon, but, um, what's next, what's next for you? Um, so at the, at the moment I'm, I'm taking some time off. I just did the Commonwealth Championships, which was the first qualification event for mm. Gold Coast to 18. Um, I'll take first half of this year off coming. Um, and just focus on tr- – I've got a number of athletes that I'm trying to get to the Commonwealth Games as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few uh, – obviously my younger lifters, but I've got a few experienced lifters that I'm just trying to squeeze more kilos out in the qualification events. Um, so that's a priority this coming year. Uh, I also run – well, I've got my gym, um, so it's, it's making sure that that's working well and, and the community here is all happy and, and, and um, growth, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I also run corporate injury prevention. So I do sprains and strains management courses for groups, uh, corporate environments. Um, and then I'm also running posture and position. So I workplace ergonomics and vehicle ergonomics as well. So I'm pretty busy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> So if you have your if you hit all your kind of goals with your athletes, how many athletes are you realistically looking to qualify for mm. the Commonwealth Games from your gym alone? Um, I've, I've got about realistically five, six. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> so literally every athlete at the Commonwealth Games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I've got we've got the potential to get five or six. Yeah, if, if they if they hit what I'm. Um, progressionally planning them and they do it at the right time um then they'll get there if, it, it doesn't always go 100 to 100 to plan but um they're training hard for sure and now new zealand versus new zealand versus <laughs> new zealand yeah. <laughs> um yeah awesome well versus um, iran <laughs> well um richie um we normally finish off with um six from six which is three questions from me three questions from tommy and then uh you can tell us where we can anything you need to plug or, or anything like that but are you ready for uh you ready for six from six uh yeah i'll give it a go all righty <laughs> uh, yep, I like so, it. <laughs> um, good um good positively there yeah, I, I like the uh, right, yeah. so <laughs> like about it yeah. oh yeah oh, if, you, if you really want me to, <laughs> yeah, I that's but, right um okay my first question is what's your favorite travel destination on the planet favorite place you've been uh, probably Tonga when I was a child. We used to go there on a summer vacation. We had um, timeshares in a resort off Nukalofa. And yeah, I used to be the only white kid on the island, so it was pretty cool. That's great. Cool. We've never had that, have we? No, definitely no. not. Nice one. I'll say, okay, so my uh, second question is your dream destination can be anywhere. What's at the top of your bucket list? Uh... Yeah, it's a hard one, but I've always wanted to go to Athens and seen the see the oh, old yeah. Olympia and Good. Uh, being Olympian, it's um, the original home. So that's it's mm-hmm. on the to do list. Awesome, cool. That's a good one. Uh, my next question is: um, Do you ever have any uh, any books that you like to recommend to people? It can be a, a graphic novel, can be an autobiography, can be a self help or a coaching book, whatever. Um, but do you have any any books that you like to recommend? I'm not a big reader, to be honest. I'm more of a listener than anything. So, she's last last book I read was the Lance Armstrong one, but that went all out the window, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, real motivational. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, all right. Uh, what about uh, do you? When you say a listener, do you do you like uh, do you listen to books or you listen to podcasts or what do you mean by like? Oh uh... yeah, I'm a. I listen to podcasts, so weightlifting talk, and 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 what you guys do. Just I don't know. Just the the daily commute you just put something on and learn um every time i turn up to the gym i'm running a class i ask everyone what they learned for the day oh, so really? i just i ask what what i call my daily gold so i'm i'm learning random facts of knowledge from everybody yep and um somehow i'll, I'll pull them out in a pub quiz at some point <laughs> yeah so it's fair to say your answer to that question was favorite <laughs> podcast is eventually right yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> good job <You> awesome <laughs> uh, that's a good answer man uh, yeah, a lot of people uh, tend to say that so yeah or else they die <laughs> hey uh biggest role model as a kid growing up uh, probably my dad um I, so i grew up on a dairy farm on the peninsula and uh my dad well, I guess he taught me hard work. Mm. Um, I thought hard work was what everyone did around the country, but obviously not as hard as what we're working. Yep. Um, so that sort of instilled 
everything for me later in life. Mm. How hard I train is probably a byproduct of my upbringing. Mm. Um, okay, cool. What uh, What do you like to do when you have some downtime or spare time? Uh, I very rarely have any spare time, but um, I'm into my surfing. I've, right. I've got a I've got a longboard, but um, I've just bought a big stand up. I've got a new son. Obviously, he's um, 1.5 years old. So <laughs> 0.5 years old. What's that in uh, What's that in What's that in pounds? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's big enough. I bought it big enough that eventually he can stand on the front of it with me, and I can cruise around the the bays cool. uh, with my son. That'll be my um, summer. Yeah, yeah that'll sure. be good. Where do you surf? What, like, where's um, where's surfing around Auckland? Do you go? Is Mount Monganui and stuff have surf or? Yeah, Mount's got surf. So that's a bit of a drive, but mm-hmm. we would go north, north, and on a longboard, probably the uh, eastern beaches. So, Oree was about ten minutes drive from where I live. It's a nice um, break, and then really? further north to the um, national parks. So right. that's pretty good. That's yeah. awesome. That's Cool. Cool. And uh, finally, Richo, um, if you could invite three people to dinner, dead or alive, who would they be and why? Uh, and apart from apart from your family, um, I'm a big political person at the moment, so probably the nature of this whole talk has been about it. So I'll probably invite that uh, whistleblower at the moment, which is Grigory uh, Rodchenkov, right. which is uh, Moscow anti-doping head, or he was. Yep. Um, I thought you were going to say Donald Trump then. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, and then I'd go with Thomas Bash as the IOC president. Cool. I don't know. And I'd throw Tom, Thomas Ajan, the IWF head, in there as well. I'd probably put them together and not have dinner with them, but I'd sit on the – be the fly on the wall and see what's happening. Yeah, see what they all start talking about. That's pretty good. I like it. Cool. Well, yeah. thanks, uh, thanks for coming on the show, Rich. Oh, for, finally. Um, yeah, anything you want to plug, um, your social medias, where can people find Richard Patterson? Um, I've, I've got an athlete page, Richie, Richard, oh, Richard Richie Patterson on New Zealand Weightlifter. Um, otherwise, just follow our gym, Functional Strength Olympic. Excellent. Um, and we, I'm, I post most of our videos up there, so you'll see all the upcoming athletes um, going on there. I don't post any videos of myself anymore. I'm, I'm past it. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, some of the young guys, I'm putting all their videos up and the girls as well. So if you're into inspiration, then uh, get on board with that. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks, uh, thanks, Richie. All right, Richie. There, yeah, thanks a lot for coming on the show, mate. All right. All righty, and uh, that's a wrap. All righty, guys. If you enjoyed that show, we appreciate it. Um, what we do ask is that if you are a first-time listener, please subscribe. If you are a many-time listener, please leave us a rating and review. If you don't want to do either of those things but you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend. Um, basically, we're going well with growth. We're growing by 30% per month, which is, I believe, breakneck speed, which is good. Um, but we want to grow faster. We want to get more um, sponsors on board so we can make a real goal of this, guys, because obviously it's still costing us money. We're not as uh, financially viable as we would like. So we need your help to do that. So tell a friend, spread the word, send us a send us a um, review, send us some money, send us a, send us send us some money if you can. No, but um, in all seriousness, everything that you do in those three call to actions I gave you really helps because it helps share the um, share the word of Adventure Fit Radio. You guys are our loyal listeners, so tell a friend. Um, also, if there's anything in the show that you really want to go back to, head to our show notes www.adventurefittravel.com/radio. Don't forget to check out Carve, 
carve.ph forward slash ADVF. Get 10 hours free on any project. Also, truepride.com.au forward slash ADVF. Get your $297 joining fee waived if you book a call through our link. And lastly, if you're an affiliate owner, you want to travel the world for free, email me directly, doc at adventurefittravel.com. I'll run you through exactly what we have for our uh, rewards program. Suits affiliate owners down to a T. They travel for free. They get a community-building community exercise with their gym, something to get a buzz around, and uh, everybody wins. So um, that's it from me. See you next week.